0: whole house.
1: Welcome to Pod Clubhouse Press Pass, your one-stop shop podcast where we take you behind the scenes with coverage of festivals, conventions, and live events. This episode features our continuing coverage from WonderCon 2022, which took place April 1st to 3rd in Anaheim, California. Hey, Caroline, how you doing?
2: Hi, Mike. I'm very excited to get to talk about WonderCon. Very, very exhilarating to be back in person. It was so wonderful to feel the vibes and the excitement.
1: It was. There's nothing better than being with a group of people who are all there for the same reason and into it. It's what makes concerts great and sporting events great. And it's what makes Comic-Con conventions great. You know, Comic-Con being an umbrella term. Before we get into it, let's talk about your overall experience. I haven't been to a convention in two years, but I had been going pretty regularly. I had, you know, to New York Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con and, and much smaller ones around the country. It was great to be back, but it was also like, Kevin Smith talked about this, right, Mm -hmm. in his opening night, you know, stand-up routine that he kind of did. (laughs) I kind of forgot how to be amongst people.
2: (laughs) There was that mix of of trying to be cautious and thoughtful and conscientious of being thoughtful around other people, you know, wanting to do the right thing and and be observant of what people were doing around you. I thought that the actual con did a great job of making sure that people were safe and had opportunity to kind of spread out from one another. I liked that we were able to eat outside with so many uh, food truck opportunities. And that was a really nice break, I guess, from being indoors where, again, that kind of it makes you almost feel like a caged rat these days because we're so used to like being far, far away from everyone else. So when you're sitting in a room, you're like, oh, I don't know how long I can do this. But they did a great job of spreading people out and giving a lot of opportunity for breaks and all of the outside opportunities, too.
1: Yes, it was nice. I mean, it's, it's Anaheim, so you know the weather is going to be great. And so to be able to have food trucks and have that food court, And there's so much space outside to eat. It was a perfect pairing of taking advantage of the weather and wanting to be outside and not breathing recycled convention air, which, <laughs> which even pre-pandemic times was always kind of a gross thing to do. <laughs> um, you know, and not live on just pretzels and bottles of water like so many conventions I've been to,
2: or eating like little weird pre-packaged snacks out of your backpack. E-
1: exactly, exactly. So we had it, some
2: really delicious food, actually. Oh
1: my god, it's great and, and a, a wide variety. It wasn't just. It was. It was a full a spectrum of food truck choices. No one felt crowded unless you wanted to feel crowded.
2: Yeah, which was really great. Even when they were taking photographs of people in costume, they did a great job of pushing people to like this like little garden-y kind of side area where people could be amongst like a really cool background, but also like away from people walking by. Mm-hmm. So you could kind of stand there and take your photographs and do whatever you wanted to do and then kind of move along. And no one felt that claustrophobic like, oh
1: it's a little bit like that instagram photo you and i uh have talked about this a lot offline where you you look at the instagram photo right and it is it's this wild shot it's like (laughs) as if the person is all by themselves but if you just pull out a little bit you realize there's like 50 people standing right around them uh it it was that kind of vibe because there was a space to do it
2: it was wonderful and you know my experience with cons goes back to comic con out in san diego and uh atx here in austin and i you know i feel like every single con has its own personality and this one for me felt like right in the middle. It, it felt like it had some opportunity to be closer to the talent or closer to some of the sort of the industry feel of everything, right? But it wasn't as close as say you get with ATX, but it wasn't as far away as you are with Comic-Con where you're just sort of like watching it like, you know, with the masses. There was some sort of, you know, interpersonal portions of it all.
1: Right. Well, starting last year conventions started to come back and they were all basically using the virtual model. ATX did this, San Diego Comic-Con did, you know, Comic-Con at home, Uh, you know, so for the ones that were able to actually put something on because they're just that big, it was all virtual. So this WonderCon was important for several reasons. WonderCon always kicks off the convention season to begin with. So it's always, you know, kicking off the winter doldrums and, you know, getting that first burst of fresh spring Air, WonderCon always has that position. It's just where it's always scheduled. It was even more important, though, because it's really going to serve as a test case for all of the other conventions that are going to try and be back in person this year. San Diego is back in person this year. ATX coming up in June is back in person this year. Tribeca Film Festival coming up in June back in person. your Comic Con in October back in person. They're all going to look to see what went right and what went wrong in WonderCon. And I think there's a lot of positives to take away maximizing and using that space. That being said, there was a lot less people than I was anticipating, I guess, based on a normal year. So it will be interesting to see when the larger crowds want to turn out for San Diego or for New York or for ATX, which is not as many people, but in a much smaller space, what that's going to look like.
2: Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that they did a great job as the organizers choosing the right spaces for the right panels. So ones that they knew were going to get more people, they put in the nice large room with a lot of chairs, with a lot of opportunity to spread out. And I think choices like that, they could have held those panels in rooms that they thought exactly fit it, but it's like they gave all panels room to breathe a little bit, most literally. So you didn't have to sit on top of anybody. You really could spread out. There could be a row you know, where it was just you in it. And that could give you the feel that it was, you know, not as well uh, attended. But I think that I'm going to give the convention organizers credit and say, you know, maybe they actually put them in rooms that were even more large than they needed to be and more chairs than they needed to have just to give people options. But at the same time,
1: not making it feel so empty that the people on stage felt like they were playing to an empty room. There was a lot of people we talked to when we were standing in lines or in queues mentioning that they weren't using the arena this year. And now traditionally, WonderCon will use the arena that's on site at the convention center as like their Hall H. uh, If you've Mm -hmm. been out to San Diego, the giant room, the big, big room. But. They didn't need that for any of the panels, even Kevin Smith, Masquerade, Bob's Burgers. I'd say those were probably three of the biggest attended panels or Mm -hmm. or events. And none of them, even in the large rooms they were using in the convention center, were overfilled. There was plenty of space, which, again, was a combination of good planning on their part, but also lower attendance numbers.
2: If you were someone who was so, I'm going to use the word brave or or ready, however you want to look at it, to kind of venture out and be in public for an event like this, it was nice to have this amount of people because it kind of eased you in. Like, I didn't feel like I was thrown into the masses. I felt like, okay, this is what it's like to be around people again. This is what it's like to wait in really long lines. And they did a good job of trying to let us have space even when we were in lines. And uh, that was much appreciated.
1: One of the panels that I was most excited to get to uh, happened on day two on the Saturday. It was for Disney Plus's The Quest. That's going to be the focus of actually of this episode. We both have kids of the age range or interest, I think, that are going to be into the show. Just before we get into the interviews, before we get into what the show is about, what was your general feeling of sitting there? And this was like really the first look that anyone had gotten of The Quest.
2: It seemed like a fun mix of the type of reality shows that I do enjoy, like Survivor or Amazing Race, where they have these challenges and they have this bigger goal, but also that sort of for me it reminded me of, of like my Nickelodeon shows that I used to love as a little kid, where you had that aspect of, you know, a teenager or a kid trying to like get through a challenge, which is a completely different thing than watching adults argue with each other on some of these, you know, reality shows we all watch now. You have other element of kind of rooting for them and in this particular show they weren't going to do any type of eliminations or banishings or any of that kind of stuff so you really were rooting for them to cooperate and get along together and that vibe is going to be very well received. I think that kids really are taught to do more group work and that kind of stuff with school and, and those expectations so I think that the concept of working together and showing how this can be done in a fun game type setting is Really intriguing. I think that they're going to get a lot of families who want to watch.
1: This is maybe one of the best examples of true family programming I've seen come along in a long time with high production values. This is not the Nickelodeon shows, right? Where like hidden of you know uh, legend of the hidden temple, uh, you well, know where where they
2: were very those were very cutting edge at the time. Yes, yes, right? yes. yes I, like, I'm looking look backwards, them, right? Yes, yeah. yes. When you look back, no, I mean they're they're silly, but but at the time it was amazing you know that you right. could be a part of the game.
1: This is the next evolution of that though. I guess that's my point. Yeah. This is 100%. 360 degree fully immersive listening to even just the people in the panel who were just executive producers all adults talk about the show, they themselves forgot that they weren't actually in a medieval fictional castle <laughs> the way they were talking about it. It was head to toe costuming and monsters were completely immersive. The sets were real because it was filmed in an actual castle. It was fully immersive and if just the trailer you get that feeling it pops off the screen whatever amount of money Disney plus is spending on this show I think you're seeing all of it up there on the screen
2: they actually had masks you know to be here at this panel and they uh, they were made from costumes from the show I mean right. talk about like immersive like just trying to continue the entire adventure into the real world I love that
1: so so the executive producers were the ones who were actually on this panel they were Jane Fleming and Mark Ordesky from Corp. 5 Productions. These were two of the executive producers on the Lord of the Rings film franchise. So they're covering a lot of the fantasy aspect of it, and that's where their interest is coming from. You have Elise Dagonieri from the New Media Collective. You better know her as one of the executive producers from The Amazing Race, which very much a part of this vibe. Her and Bertram, who did not make the panel, but is one of the executive producers on the show. And then uh, rounding out the panel were Michael Williams and Rob Eric from Scout Productions, who are two of the guys responsible for the Queer Eye franchise of shows. Just really quickly, before we get to these roundtable interviews, which were really interesting and they were all very grist with their time, one thing that popped off for me was their passion. Listening to mm. all five of these adults, these are all grown adults. They are not participating in this kid <laughs> show, but they were giddy with excitement. And it wasn't faked. It was extremely sincere. At least it came off that way to me. How, what did you think of uh, listening to these guys talk about the show?
2: Well, by my background, I'm, I'm an educator, and you can tell when someone is thinking thoroughly excited about their topic. You know, whoever's presenting in front of you, you know, like they are living and breathing it. And these were people who were living and breathing this show. You know, they just felt it coursing through their bodies and everything they spoke about, you could just tell it was like infectious. Like they wanted you to love it as much as they loved it, but not in that, like, we're trying to sell you this because, you know, as reporters and as, you know, people who cover shows, you know, we get encouraged. to, to like you know different aspects of shows we're given information all that kind of good stuff but in this case i felt like these people genuinely were so excited and so just wanted you to watch it with them it didn't feel like they were selling you a product at all
1: no, no. It felt like they were just like they trying get, to share this really cool right? thing. Just this is a thing where we want you to see it because we're so excited about it. We want to share, which is the ultimate word of mouth. It's how we get all of our friends to watch things. Right. Yeah. I, when we pitch our friends, it's not like, well, I think you'll really appreciate that. No, it's I'm excited for this thing and I want you to watch it too. Or that somehow, was you
2: know, we're getting some sort of, uh, gosh, do you remember how much we've loved individual shows? And then we've get some, some comment from someone who's like, I think that, you know, they're getting like a kickback or something for loving the show so much. And it's like, no, like this is all genuine. We only say if we really love it. And this is one of those times when you didn't feel like anyone was being trotted out here just because this was their latest project. This was something they really believed in.
1: Listen to Rob Eric in particular uh, in his interview that we have with him and Michael Williams, his uh, producing partner. He says, I think he says in the interview, he definitely said during the panel, I wish I had this show when I was a kid Mm as he just for a, a host of reasons, but just being able to get lost in the fantasy aspect of it and have this adventure and try to be the hero that you think you can be, right? This show is all about bringing out the inner hero in all of these kids. They were all screened. They were cast for this reason. We get into the casting of why these kids, they have very specific reasons. The producers, the casting people, they saw in these kids, the potential to do great things. And listening to Rob talk about how he wish he had something like that when he was a kid, someone to believe in him like that when he was a kid growing up. I mean, Who doesn't? Who doesn't wish (laughs) that they had someone to look up to as, you know, someone to say, I believe in you. Now go believe in yourself. It's great. It's absolutely great.
2: Mike, I feel like we teased our listeners enough. Give them the the little, uh, you know, summary of what the show is even about.
1: Sure. So the quest is a groundbreaking immersive series that drops eight teenagers into a fantastic fictional world called Everrealm. Here, they must save a kingdom by fulfilling an ancient prophecy. Throughout the eight episode series, these heroes are immersed in the fantasy world, come to life complete with a castle, royals, ethereal fates and a sorceress intent on destruction and power. Mm. <laughs> it is a com- so you should know it is a combination of scripted and unscripted reality television
2: which was kind of confusing at first right because it's like all right what exactly are you doing with this because most people are very familiar with reality shows sure. and then familiar with you know sitcoms and when you have those hybrids they can really run like a big spectrum of like how scripted is this or how just you know off the cuff real is this right so I was interested and we talked about this in our interviews about, you know, how do you handle some of the things that if you're going to try to do an unscripted show with teenagers, I mean, I'm doing a lot of air quotes on my side right now because, Uh you know, you and I both have teenagers and there's just so many volatile moments there and they were using practical effects too. So I was very curious about the safety aspects, about keeping the set controlled. How do you do that when you have children and you have unscripted and scripted aspects?
1: Uh, yeah, Hormonal teenagers <laughs> all during, by the way, a global pandemic. This was filmed right. during COVID. These kids were actually out of school. They were here. They were doing on onset schooling. So during the school season, they were here doing this instead of, you know, being at school, traditional school. But it was during COVID times. There was masks there, you know, so you have a lot of things going on. So the scripted portion is where the adult actors in the show playing their medieval-esque roles, their high fantasy roles they've got their script to go by but what is happening is influenced by how the kids are performing in the challenges and just in their interpersonal which is the unscripted portion So the unscripted is influencing where the scripted portion goes, but also the scripted portion is also influencing on what scenarios and situations the unscripted kids are going to be put in really interesting combination. It really feels like the next evolution or next stage of television, right? We're so much high fantasy on television right now. We have Lord of the Rings TV show getting set to premiere on Amazon and pretty soon this year. And then you have Big Brother, you have The Amazing Race, you have Survivor, we have all of these unscripted shows, now we're bringing them together? It's fascinating. I can't wait to see it. When does The Quest come out, Caroline?
2: The Quest premieres on May eleventh, 2022, and it's streaming exclusively on Disney+. Plus. We are very excited to answer some of the questions you might have in our roundtable discussion that we had with all the executive producers of The Quest. So definitely stay tuned here and get a chance to listen to those.
1: First up is our roundtable interview with executive producer Elise Donganieri.
0: Just in case, not an easy name. <laughs>
3: uh, so, what made this the perfect time to bring back the Quest? Oh. Sort of what are like, the biggest changes and like elevation you can expect to see in the
0: show? Okay, so I think the timing with Disney Plus streaming was the perfect time because we can reach a global audience, you know, and um, I think Disney was looking for something groundbreaking and very, very different, and we had that hybrid, the scripted versus, not versus, the scripted intertwined with reality. And, um, and also because Disney has all these wonderful, fantastical films and storylines, it just felt like the perfect fit. And the timing was right because Disney made their announcement and we were one of the first shows, their biggest show, their tenth full show that they ordered from us. So yeah, it was, a, it was a really big deal. So we were so excited that it was on Disney Plus.
1: Is, is there an aspect to it featuring kids versus adults, which is what the original show was, that you think changes how it'll be received or how, as you, as the executive producers working on it, felt about it? Yeah.
0: Um, there is a difference having teenagers versus. Twenty-something year olds. They're, there's not such a big age difference because these teenagers. I don't know if you've seen thirteen-year-olds these days, but they look like they're eighteen. Yeah. These some, you know, they are thirteen to sixteen. Um, you do see them mature and grow. There's such a, what I love about this series, and because we have teenagers, you really see genuine and pure teenagers at a time in their lives when they might be feeling, you know, the hormones are raging, right? So insecure or wondering about how they fit into the world and who I am and what is this all about and and so not only do we have a great storyline for them to interact and play in, but we see a lot of growth on their part. I'm not saying that we didn't see growth in the other series,
3: right. but
0: there's such a change in kids when they need to see who they are and become something that they don't know yet who they're becoming so when you're young like they are, um come into this with like I'm shy or I don't know and then all of a sudden you see them building confidence and growing and every episode you know there, there are challenges that have their mental or their strengths not physical strength like some of them a little bit but there's different challenges that will touch on each of their strengths and weaknesses and You can see them trying, you know. Whether they fail or succeed, there are no eliminations, so they continue to have this experience throughout the whole series, where there is growth and there is inspiration for viewers to see what's happening. And it's like, wow, I never thought that person would step forward and be the one taking charge, because then maybe in the beginning of the series they were like the wallflower, and all of a sudden this this person evolves and this person blooms, and all of a sudden they're just like. Okay, I got this. We're all supportive of each other. There's no, there's no nastiness between the kids because they're all going for a common goal. So they all come together and support each other. Love okay. yeah. that. I hope I answered okay. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> well, making the decision, but I love that it's collaborative. Yeah. And I'm not super familiar with the original. If it was the same way, like, why did you make that choice
3: versus making it similar to like Amazing Race, where it's like everyone's on their own path?
0: Yeah. Well, because um, we took these, you know, the storyline is we took these kids that are pure of heart, these teenagers, <clears throat> and they were called upon by the fates to save this, to save every realm because they're pure of heart and you'll find out more exactly why they were chosen. But each. Teenager and within the casting was chosen because of their qualities whatever their wonderful part They all had wonderful qualities different some of them had similar and some of them are very different from each other and they all come from all walks of life across the country and uh, By bringing them together We we really wanted to we didn't want anybody to be eliminated because we wanted each of them to have that personal growth And, a, and an experience that was very fulfilling for each of them when you get eliminated it's pretty It's pretty upsetting, you know, and you don't get to experience the whole show, the whole experience, even on The Amazing Race. it's Like, oh, God, we're out, it's the first episode. All They, they don't even care about, on, on The Amazing Race, they don't care about winning the money. They just want to see where we're going next. What are we going to do? And that's what we wanted for these kids. We wanted them to be able to experience every single challenge, every single creature. Because the story is so good and there's so many exciting things to see, we didn't want any of them to miss it. So we did make it an non-elimination, and because of that, that group became very strong, and there is a common goal that they're fighting for.
1: I have a fourteen-year-old, and I saw on the website the old series. They called them banished when they banished. were like thrown off the show. I was like, if I told my fourteen-year-old he was banished, <laughs> I wouldn't see not, him for a week. I mean, not he, even PC. <laughs>
0: no. right. They can't say that. Right. No. Yeah, exactly. So they all stay. They all stick around. We yeah. You talk
4: about for the competitions that it was really based around like the storyline. Um, yeah are they more psychological are they more physical are they
3: a combination of both
4: it is a
0: combination so again um working towards what the kids strengthen every kid had their own thing one kid might be a great gamer one kid might be you know great at puzzles or um, one of them is very dexterous so a lot of all the challenges will hit on each one of their strengths Um, and then we found out that uh, the other kids who we didn't know something about all of a sudden they realized they were good at something that they were like I didn't know I was so coordinated and well balanced you know I didn't know I could do this Um, and yes the challenges are organic to what's happening in the storyline so it's not like there's the the storyline the actors are talking it is literally the actors are talking maybe say you're all the paladins you're all the kids and I'm One of the princesses, right? So I'm just like, okay, I you know, that's sound. We need to go outside and figure out what it is. I need all of you to grab your gear. We're gonna go outside and we're probably gonna have to move remove this thing. And so it's seamless meaning that the actors are pushing the storyline and the kids have to do what they're being told because they know that they have to do bring this from here to point A to point B. And if you do that, then something will happen. So that's the seamless part of it, and there are still challenges, because of course there are a certain amount of kids, and we have to build challenges, but I think you'll find that they reflect what's happening in the story. Yeah, I hope that, that's good. yeah. Did you find that because it was unscripted, with the script that there was anything that happened that kind of blew off Well, that's the beauty of reality, right? So all of a sudden you have the script that you've written, and we've also, brought the actors um, one of the things that we did during casting was make sure that they were really good at improv so just like you're asking me a question mm-hmm. that they are able to answer it in character and know who they are as that character so if you said are you married or do you have children and the character would say something right I'm not an actor so I'm not gonna <laughs> so I'm not gonna tell you what I know so um, I have a friend whose name is Sarah Curry. It's so funny it's, not, <laughs> it's a, yeah the same exact name. Um, is she, a red-headed chef
2: from she is Canada? a she is a red-headed <laughs> chef. She's
0: everywhere. If I Google my name, she pops up. Oh yes, God. I used to work with her in a restaurant when I was in college. She was okay. a chef. That's crazy. She's on <laughs> the East Coast. So anyway, you have a twin out there. What was your question? So what was the, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. the story? Oh yes. Yeah. So what happened? There were some amazing moments where we're all just like, oh my God, that was amazing. Yeah. It didn't change the storyline, but there might be a moment where one of the contestants, one of the kids, struggled with something or they didn't complete something and, you know, you feel bad. You let your team down or whatever you did. So there's a moment where this one, I won't give it away by saying this, but there's two of our contestants talking and they're sad and we send in one of our, our actor asked to be sent in. I wanna go talk to them. Cause there was a bond, there was a connection, a real, a real connection. And she sat down with them and she had a full on conversation And built this person up and took took the tears away and gave her a reason to think okay I didn't do well in this moment and you didn't do well in this the two of them and so but that's not where it ends there's so much more you can do so keep trying keep going so it was just a beautiful moment and they were both the two of them that were being spoken to they're like okay Okay, we got this. Let's get back in there. And They were like, "We got this," you know. And then they were like, "Lit." Fire was lit again. So there were real moments because they're real. We're real people, you know. And so we let them. They we let them have those moments, those real moments that are really inspiring.
1: Fans of The Amazing Race know how it shut down the show for over a year because of COVID. Yes. Can you yeah. talk a little bit dealing with kids and COVID and the protocols and keeping everyone safe and how that impacted yeah, that the, was, the quest? So fun. Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Amazing Race got shut down, well, sh- shut down shut down in the middle while we were filming and then right. we came back 19 months later and thank God that season is done but it was amazing. Right. Um, so the kids, yes. Yeah, so what we might have done in... Like from the first one they all lived in the castle we would have wanted that to happen but because of COVID we had to be very careful where everybody was sleeping, where everybody was staying and of course because they're teenagers the parents were there to make sure, you know, because they're, they're minors um, they were really amazing because everybody knew what we were going into and for them it was better to be in this amazing fantasy world on a castle for all these hours every day roaming free without their masks on because everybody was tested and we're like, okay, we're going to go now rather than being in their homes and not going to school every day or not going out with their friends. So because everybody was tested all the time, they actually had some normal time. It was better for them, better for all of us to be at this castle. It actually felt fairly normal aside from we had our, we had our masks on around them, but I think it was good mentally for everybody to be there. Rather than being locked up at home in our pandemic bubbles, <laughs> so it was good. They actually made friends. Mm. And they did homework together, and they did. They got to do things together. Okay. Yeah. That's
3: so awesome. it was great. really
0: good it was good for them it was great good team. for all
3: of us it was so obvious on the panel how passionate you guys are all like <laughs> personally invested in it is there something like that surprised you like a personal takeaway that you weren't expecting or something you're going to bring with you to your next project
0: you know i just really fell in love with all these kids um because i got to know them you, you get you when you do casting you see three minute video and then you can inter you, we interview them and get to know them Um, But actually meeting them and learning about them. um, I love working with teenagers. It was really special. And um, what was my takeaway? I just like that it's an inspirational show that your whole family can watch. I don't know. I have a 13-year-old. And what's happened during the pandemic is she goes in her room and she's watching her screen. And we have all kind of go off into it because I'm working from home. This is something where it's going to bring your family together. You're going to want to watch this with your parents. Even if, even if you don't have children, you're going to want to watch the show if you love fantasy. So I just think that it's, it's, like Jane said earlier, it's an outlet that's positive and inspirational amongst all the, the negative things that are happening in the world right now. So it's a feel-good show that's exciting to watch because you don't know what's coming around the corner. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Next, our interview with executive producers Jane Fleming and Mark Ordesky. Uh,
5: You you talked about in the panel... Working on Lord of the Rings, and you kind of wanted to leave the industry in like that particular genre, like something better. Um, with well, something like The Quest, I mean, it's, it's really exciting, really popular. Do
6: you see this like as a live, immersive, like pop-up event in different cities? or? Oh, we would love nothing better <laughs> <Right>. than <laughs> to do a live, immersive experience. And, and we have talked about it. I mean, to do something, like, the great thing is only with a partner like Disney could you really do it justice. But that would be. We've
3: impressive. dreamt of that for a long uh, because then you could have more real people to have a better experience. Uh, it is a little capital intensive.
6: Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because
3: in order to make it not, you know, not not a high end rent fair, like you really want it to have yeah something um, something unique. Right. Um, so, but we've thought about it a lot like and, yeah. and, and if we get a next season which hopefully go watch the show um, we have an idea that we want to put into the show that would be very easily ported into something that you could travel
6: around, it would be contained. It would almost have to be and like cool. a live theater, like you know, like a Tony and Tina's Wedding. I'm dating myself with that <laughs> reference, but not it, at all. But I'm, you know there. What I'm, saying? I'm there. I'm there. Like, yeah. It would have to have at least an element of that as part of the immersive, because that's what's the unique and distinctive element. Otherwise, it is just. By the way, we love Brent Ferris. So there's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't have that, then it's just, then it's just. Oh, we're just walking into an environment, which is cool, yeah. you know. But um,
1: when yeah. you guys started working on the reboot of this talk about the decision to the change the things that you did change mainly going from using adults to using teenagers
3: actually not really sort of the biggest change is not even the kids the biggest change is that you'll see this is a true scripted reality hybrid so the, the original was a reality show with scripted overlays this actually has its own you know it has its a, a full scripted locomotive that there's a ton of content that happens without the kids present and then you have the interaction of those same scripted characters with the kids. So there's a lot more mystery we got to dive into, there's a lot more intrigue and things that don't happen in front of the kids eyes that is happening sort of parallel paths.
6: And what's really fun and is And they the, end up intersecting. And as a viewer, You get that kind of wonderful dramatic irony where the audience is going to, when the kids are saying, Do you think it's possible that that could be? Do you think? What do we know? And then the audience is going to really, No, yes!
2: You're talking right!
6: Don't, Don't trust her or him or whatever. Like, you know. So, yeah.
2: What was that casting process like, especially for kids? Because, I mean, they can be really hit or miss to deal with, especially teenagers. Teenagers, yeah. Uh,
3: we had a great casting group
2: that went out across the country. Yeah. Um,
3: you know, the first pre rack is that they love the genre. Yeah. Um, they live nerd test. Those <laughs> books, games, like movies, games, movies. <laughs> and then and then once they sort of satisfied that, that, that once we, we met with a ton of kids, it's just so that the kids that had those values that we felt a one true hero would have, or if they didn't even know it themselves, that we could see it in them. Um, and Disney, you know, we all sat around and tried to pick the eight lucky teenagers. And then we had the pandemic, so we waited a year. So they came in um, bigger, taller.
6: Who do their kids grow? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have kids, so I said to King, what's
3: going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, it, was, it was a lot. It was totally it Huh. Actually we were like,
1: oh, hi. Coming from Lord of the Rings, which created this world, I mean transformed New Zealand into Middle Earth, mm. was the money on the screen because just in the trailer, you could see this is a production. Was yeah. that a requirement for you guys to get involved and move forward or just a happy accent of working with Disney it that was they weren't organic. willing to implement?
6: We we put together a plan that we knew would enable us to make the show worth making so that reputationally, people would say like, oh, this was worth the effort. And that, that equated to a number, which then Disney approved. So it wasn't like a top-down thing like, we'll let you do it, but here's how much you have. Like It was like, right. they, they said, tell us what you need to do what you,
1: the bold thing we are asking to do. Yeah. So you could get dragons instead of tennis balls. Like right. you Yeah. Like no,
3: you have to. Because otherwise, otherwise, two things happen. A, we look silly. But B, the kids have nothing to push against, yeah, and, and, right. and then the reactions seem false, and then you're watching people pretend, and, you know, they're not professional actors. We watch people pretend all the time, but they're professional actors. <laughs> right. Uh, so it was imperative that it feel real and that they have reactions that were grounded uh, in something that, you know, if you have kids, that would look like what your kids would do. Um, mm-hmm. And Disney was a wonderful partner. They see this as a brand new form of storytelling that they is important to their mandate. Um, and I think it, you'll probably you know let them speak about it. But I think yeah. that there's more coming yeah. from different uh, creative partners as well. So we find it really exciting. Mm-hmm. Which, the pandemic changed the timeline, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. in the original. So, from the very first concept for the Disney Plus show, to the end of editing, what was that like? Oh, my God. It was weirdly... It was, weirdly, let's see. It was a, a year before the pandemic that we had our first meeting. Yes. Right? Um, we were supposed to shoot in July of 2020. Mm-hmm. So, we put a pause, obviously. And then in August of 2020, they called and they said, we still want it.
6: But you have to make it here, it's somewhere near Boston.
3: So in, in, I mean, this, this is good fun inside baseball stuff. So we were supposed to shoot it uh, in December of 2020. And a wildfire tore through Calistoga and burnt part of our set. And there was a bit of like, oh, we waited through a pandemic and then this happened and God bless Disney, they like kept sticking by us. So we, we moved it. To January, and then Omicron just like skyrocketed. Ooh. So then we moved it to, to February 2020. So it, it was a year ago that we made it. So I guess what was that? Four years? Three years? Three, three, four years? Three years? Yeah.
6: Something yeah. like
3: that. Well, congratulations on! I work in unscripted, and just like the from development all the way through to the finish of post production, like this just seems like just such a huge accomplishment. So congratulations. Thank you. So, can you talk a bit about like what it was like to have? this hybrid on the production side, like you have writers, but you also have field producers and then story producers and post, and like a little bit more about how all those teams work together, how we Well, how it was together. like one It was kind yeah. of, you saw, I don't know if you watched the panel, but we all get along really well. Um, we really like each other, we respect each other, we're sort of, we were fans of each other's content, so that's, that always helps. So that sort of trickled down. And we made sure, you know, we world built first, like what's, what's gonna happen in every realm, in this season generally what are the stakes what are who are the bad guys who are the good guys all the basics and um who are the characters that and then worked with all of us including disney to flesh that out um and then once we were on set the field producers and um our world builders sat watching the screens together and when the world builders were like oh you know, one of the kids just said this thing, let's write that into one of our scripted scenes so that the scripted characters are talking about the kids. And we kept doing that, and actually, there's several moments where we just pulled audibles. Um, I won't ruin it, but when you watch the whole thing, um, call me and I'll tell you. (laughs) But but there was this one moment where we... um, like I could say, we brought our bad guy like into the kids. And we did it through technology right. that we had available. But we brought it right to their doorstep. And we weren't gonna do that. That was not comfort of the plan, but we were like
6: But something happened that made it.
3: Yeah, they were like taught it was it was just they were sort of a little bit disconnected and we, like we just put her right in there so it was fun. <laughs> and they were like, what is happening? And yeah, it was pretty fun. That's cool. Are you going to talk about the storyline at all? We know
1: these kids
0: sure. are called they're chosen to, to go into class. What think,
3: what's the story? Well, um, Everrealm's uh, Everrealm's sort of spiritual center are the fates. And um, and we're introducing a new concept which I guess I probably shouldn't say but they're right. sort of the anti-fates. Right. And um, this has been a lifelong I mean a, eons long battle between good and evil and the balance is starting to shift in the wrong direction and the fates call the kids to bring them in to um, unleash an ancient prophecy as well and the kids have to at least talked about this a little bit have to put together an ancient artifact in order to help find out who the one true hero is and who's going to be the one to languish the evil sorceress too.
6: But one thing that's a thematic that's not oversharing is like, this prophecy is old and not everybody in every realm subscribes to it anymore. Some do. So it has parallels to our own circumstances like, you know, and so that, that alone sets up a dynamic that's interesting. So you guys were trying to do a lot of
2: this stuff on the fly, like you're saying, but you're trying to integrate things like practical magic moments and challenges and stuff. But how do you keep it, you know, on a set, you're keeping it safe and you're trying to keep it, like, off camera, right. but everything's of the world. So how do you do that? How did you mix that That's together? Our magic song. I know, right? Tell uh, us. Yeah.
3: It's, uh, you know, look, we, 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 we did a version of it before, which helped, so we knew how to work with each other. Um... It's a bit of like monkey bars. You know, you sort of are you're planning the monkey bar that you're going to, <laughs> and you just hope you're not lying there with one arm um, waiting. Um, there's a, there was a lot of hopscotching from a production standpoint, so that you would have your camera teams with the kids, and then they would hop, Like half of them would hopscotch to the next thing that the kids would do. And we did shoot some of the scripted content separately. If it was purely
6: scripted, if it involved no. Content.
3: And we would shoot some of the coverage of um, the the scripted actors uh, for the scenes they would have with the kids because once the kids show up, it's one take. People mess up, they mess up if they don't, and then um, so we would just bank as much content as we could, and that was, I guess, one of the answers. Yeah,
2: no, I mean, I was just thinking the whole time of like the safety aspect of practical magic and it not being like a tight you kids running around yeah. Like, yeah how do you do it yeah I mean you know I think that there is uh, we built in
3: stop downs into the storytelling right so there's stuff that happened to the kids that was never on
6: camera right
3: oh. so we would build in like Mark said it's the like, biggest surprise party that you've ever thrown for anybody <laughs> because we would know they need to be stopped down so how are we stop them down and what are we what are we having them do yeah, and so we came up with activities that they would do while we were getting cameras and everything. And they were all consistent space.
6: with the storytelling, but didn't yeah, they, didn't, they weren't necessary to be on camera at the end of, to make the story work. If it turned out great, we could have put them on. I mean, we could have and then
3: we would on. build certain rules in to protect them. Um, so there's one thing, in later in the season where there is actual um, potential danger. And we just made sure our scripted characters were like, here's what you guys are gonna do yeah. to stay away from the physical. Character. And that was always
6: really smart. So the physical
3: danger you know. is sort of where you are, but mm-hmm.
6: not where Mark is. Yeah, right, and the scripted right. characters are like, oh my gosh, it's so great you are here. Crucial mission, you need to do X, while we're gonna do Y. We're all doing it as a team, but we're splitting up. Yeah.
1: We heard the challenges were a combination of physical and mental were they written for the contestants you had or were they written and the contestants had to rise to the... They were the, written and
3: then the contestants had to rise to it.
1: Were there any incidences where the kids were just like, no, no. Way. <laughs> Keep your dragon, no. Yeah, I
3: mean, there, was, there was stuff which, um, yeah, there were some that stumped some people. Yeah. Um, you know, but there was never one where it stumped everyone, right? Uh, so there would always be a winner and then the, the winner would help the other, their friends' right. sort of accomplished goal. Love
0: that.
6: So
3: they still had to, like, continue, they had to continue it.
6: Yeah, because remember, from their perspective, they need to move to wherever they're moving to next. So it can not sound like some producer's going to walk on set and then, like, oh, well, you people are still stuck in whatever challenge
1: you're stuck in. So no, so... It, it, yeah. So they
3: definitely had a little bit of that um, military, no man left behind vibe, um... The kids
1: Was that nurtured, or did that happen organically uh, Organic. just amongst ago? It them? happened
3: organically, and, and, you know, this is where, you know, our partners, the Amazing Race partners are so good, because they're like, hands off, like, we don't know, like, you guys are on your own, you know? So you had cameras on them, but nobody was helping them, so they just had to sort it out. So you'll see, you know, frustration and aggravation and, you know, along the way of just things that some of them just couldn't get. And then they would...
6: Yeah, their friends would come
3: and say, oh, you got to do it this way. And, and people would be like, oh. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was, um, yeah, we have ideas. We can push it even further. I'm I love so it. sorry. That <laughs> is okay. really high. Thank,
1: Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Congratulations. Our third and final roundtable interview from Disney's The Quest is with executive producers Michael Williams and Rob Eric. Hope you enjoy.
0: Hi, Rod.
1: How are you doing? Very good. Rob, during the panel, you talked about how passionate you are for the show. Everyone's passion, but for you especially, if you had had this when you were a kid, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the show with kids versus using adults like the original show.
4: Yeah, I mean, both are great, and the hope is that we'll see a progression of ages and different. We were just talking about like how great would this be to do with your dad, right? Like, we're in a generation now where we all grew up with Star Wars and Star Trek and Lord of the Rings and and Harry Potter, when you think about Harry Potter's 20 years old, that's (laughs) mind-blowing. So we're passing all of that to our kids. So how cool would it be to now have that season where parents are involved because they love fantasy as well. So for me, had I had that and been able to have that experience, as a young kid, I grew up in a very tiny little town. I was, you know, I, I keep saying it was like two cows and a stoplight, but it was, I grew up in Rhode Island. Not a lot of like support groups for, you know, in the 80s for young gay kids. So for me, I sort of immersed myself into the world of fantasy and what I loved were movies and books and reading and getting into these creative worlds but I'm also an artist. So all of that creativity to be able to come out, that's why I love coming to WonderCon and comic-con because you see the creativity of everybody. And this world when, when, you know, it's funny, we, we talked about this over the past decade. When I was a kid, it was being a nerd. Now it's being everybody. Because we, as the original nerds, opened that door for everybody to come out and be like, ah, oh, shit, I like this. Too. We, won. <laughs> we won. We won. We won. Right. We won. We won. Oh my god, I'm making that t-shirt. I'm <laughs> so making that t-shirt. I love it. When it comes to creating the storyline and the creatures, how
3: involved were you guys? Like, how did you even narrow it down with such
6: a vast, percentage
5: land? Everything is Um. Well, we worked with our writers, uh, and they I created with us the story and everything, and where we thought we, we had Spectre Emotions, this
4: incredible uh, creature, what do they call it? Spectre it's Mike Elizalde and his wife, and they, they do Guillermo del Toro's movies. the Hellboy, they do the monster and Stranger Things, they, they're just bonkers. Good. So we,
5: with our storyline, comes up with each episode, I was like, okay, watch creature can we create? Can we all throw in ideas, okay let's have a witch here, an old man here, some dragon type person here, you know, we just like it. And Mike Elizalde from Spike Promotion just said, like, well, how about this? Hey we'll that. and that was the most, for me the most fun part was going to his shop and seeing the designs and, and work that they've done. And, you know, do you
4: like the eyeball doing this or you pull out something like, you
5: know, it's for
4: But or the drag year, we are like, maybe some more clothing on the drag ride. <laughs> first, he was like naked. I was like, hmm, Disney Plus, let's put some clothes on. Yeah.
1: The quest after
5: dark. It's the quest behind, behind the. There's one creature that's dressed that like he was
4: going to the Met gallery but the, uh, I was Johnny Wujić. Fabulous gossip That's yeah, a really good gospel.
3: So is it a big mix of practical and CGI, or is it all, all practical?
5: practical. All it's all practical. CGI. It is well, well after we all left, so the kids
4: are never part of it. Then they never in front of a green screen. And right. It was just added in the end that that would suck right like your kid we tell you're you gonna go into a cool world and then we're like okay stand up against that green screen and scream (laughs) like it's just (laughs) it had to happen to them
2: right Right.
4: we had lasers and lights there's a there's a moment where i won't give anything away but there's a moment where they have to turn something on shall we say And that sounds terrible. They have to turn on a device and it had to happen in front of them so they could see that it goes on, it'd be cool enough, and then we would enhance it and pose. But it happened to them. So everything that you see was happening to them. All of our monsters are head to toe, every inch covered. So you never had like a monster that was just from the waist up because it was too expensive. Every monster is done, every costume on the monster is every detail. Every single detail, like down to like getting them as wet as possible before the kids would get there because we would shoot for like an hour and 20 minutes right so they've got to stay wet and look like they're a reptile and that they're you know they're sweating and in the god bless the actors in those costumes because they just had to stay in the moment and the kids throw real questions at them or yell at them and it's awesome
0: There are like a lot of constraints with working with children in the industry. Like you were saying, an hour and 20 minutes. Was it difficult
4: to
5: keep those children in character and like where we just snap back? No, Uh, we're all kids, right? Right. I I think they loved it. They couldn't wait to get out of school uh, because we were shooting during the school year uh in lunch, they they couldn't wait to get back in. And you saw the minute they stepped on, and whether one of our actors were with them, they instantly. And I don't want to say turned it on because that's like they were acting. They instantly put the switch they're on in this world and they act naturally but they're in this world
4: it's a real life oculus right like mm-hmm. you take it off to go eat dinner and you put it back on again you're right back into oh, your I character so. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I feel right. like it's like the reverse of VR like you guys actually put them in real world
4: right. as opposed to they can actually world, really touch things and yeah. not kind of try to make the hand touch the thing Yeah,
5: yeah. yeah.
2: going to dinner is like the the boring yeah. part, of the right. right exactly <laughs> and, and, and
4: again the, the environment
5: as I said in the panel yeah. We were there as producers. I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm a history person, not a big fantasy person, but I was was like, oh my god, you could just picture yourself back in the medieval times, back in that castle. I was easy for that. And we all felt the same way.
1: Coming from a queer eye background and, and very reality television. Wasn't it an adjustment for you guys as producers having the scripted and unscripted yeah. component we, to we it. we both and
5: done scripted pieces. I started in scripted movies, so I was used to that. I missed it. We went into reality because I, made, I had made a lot of uh, scripted movies with like my partner David Collins, who's one of the producers as well. We made a, We never made a lot of money. We made a lot of awards. We got a lot of awards. We never really made guys. And, uh, and we just said, let's get into this reality TV thing. And what was our first up
4: at bat? The original one.
5: It's a pretty
1: good at bat. I mean. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. And then to go up and bat again and do it for a second time was bonkers. And we approach, I think we approach most of our unscripted, like scripted, like, our shows are more cinematic. They're just shot with different cameras. They have different looks to them, and we tell different stories. So I think it's a perfect blend of worlds we've all been
6: in. Can you get the panel that the... Unscripted and
3: scripted stories are going to sort of come to a head at a point and mm-hmm. impact each other um, at a certain point It's a twist. Years. Okay. A can twist you t- expand more on what? Nope. <laughs> <numbers>? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Okay. Can, okay. If it would be a twist uh, if I did that.
4: Can you guys talk a little bit more
5: about how you found that location? And like, once you got there, like, were they on board right away, or did you oh, got to be like, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more? Let's, what let's not tell,
1: that's
2: let's
5: tell no. <laughs> no, that. Let's not tell. Originally, as I said, we were planning so to go to Vienna, Austria, and. One of the hardest parts and I had spent long amounts, months months, 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 a lot of real castles, if they're owned by some historical trust or organization, there's, I talked to a location manager from uh, Game of Thrones, and we were talking about it, Cassie said, it took me six weeks to get permission to shoot one day in one room, you know, and in Vienna, we stumbled upon uh, Berg Kreutz and Yeah, you good luck.
3: <laughs>
5: uh, it was owned by one guy. One guy. It's been in his family for hundreds of years. The he Count. Owned it. The Count <laughs> Count owned it. And he made all of this. They had tour groups. So I said, Can he cancel? You? Yep, yep. So we were all set. We hired our Austrian team. We are wardrobe people. We had everybody lined up, and then COVID. So, so I went to. Uh, I had spent previously looking at castles around the United States. There are no real like There are mansions that look like castles. There's schools and follies. They call them just fake castles. We saw pictures of one in Texas. Robinson. I love that
4: castle, and and <laughs> it, it was horrible. No, I should say it was horrible. It was a lovely place, but I knew we could do something with it because of the what team we, we but had. But it wasn't a castle. it wasn't a castle. We don't have castles in here. There are no. And this is we have one,
5: White Castle, right? But this is the one. Uh, and but they were a winery. So active winery, very popular wine, uh Castello de Amorosa in Calistoga, right in Napa Valley. And because of COVID, they shut down. And they said we were ready to go again. They said, Oh, we want to shoot in July. They're like, Come, we're close, we're completely close. They're awesome. But then we couldn't Every, we just couldn't coordinate in time, so then we had to push a few months and work with them that they opened on weekends. We we pretty much owned the pace from Monday through Friday. On the weekends, we shot Saturdays, but we didn't go inside
4: the castle where people were drinking. Uh, we were out in the workplace. Drinking. <laughs> I mean, come on. producer's like, oh, yeah, it looks like a, a castle. And it's a <laughs>
5: vineyard? Come on. It was wonderful. Uh, but we, we negotiated and worked with the owner again. Similar to Vienna, one guy owned it. no boards, no
4: historical trees. Literally went to the most amazing extent to get this to look real. Like he brought bricks in from Italy. Like everything was made. And you went downstairs and like the was like. The way the ceiling was held up—it was like you're in catacombs in France or in Italy or Austria. It was amazing. We had to deal with uh,
5: Napa Valley, who had, uh, at that time we had really strong, strong COVID and events, and we just had to really—we're uh, going to be the strictest grid procedures ever between Disney plus all the unions, uh, and they gave. And I said, we're going to employ a lot of people, and I think nothing to do with the story. But one of my favorite our or came up to me one day and said you saved she said, we were going under but I had 500 meals a day
4: for 6 weeks you saved me from going under so oh, I one positive COVID test yeah
1: that's amazing
4: that's amazing can be, we're shooting in tiny portions of the castle and you've got DPs and you know, all the stuff in
1: there that one positive COVID test that's awesome congratulations thank guys you. thanks so much good luck
3: thank you Great to you thank you
1: Just want to thank Jane, Mark, Elise, Michael, and Rob for their time and Scenario PR for arranging those interviews. It was great to be able to get all of that time, all of those interviews. You just listen to them. They were all between like 8 and 12 minutes long. These rooms can be kind of hectic. They can be exhausting for everyone. You get a lot of questions being fired at you, especially in a roundtable interview situation. I I just really appreciate all of them taking the time and being so excited because it gets me excited.
2: I appreciated their openness of wanting to actually explain how the show works Mm. because there was aspects of the show that they couldn't tell us because obviously there was going to be reveals and things they wanted to keep quiet. But, I mean, more than one were like, contact me after we're airing and I'll answer more questions, which was a huge, gracious offer to follow up with them when they could just be like, whatever, I did my job, I showed up at this thing. It wasn't like that at all. They wanted to continue to explain and how this all worked, because they were so proud of it, and it was an amazing process for them. Please head over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com/slash podclubhouse, as well as our sister site for written content, popculturereview.com for more coverage from WonderCon 2022 and all of our press pass podcast coverage. It's a lot of peas. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. It's the uh
1: three P's of podcast <laughs> coverage. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening.